So I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Rajiv. Uh, he's built a 300-person business in one and a half years. He's the Plan B Success podcast host, and he's helped four VC-backed companies through Exit. Welcome, Rajiv. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. So lots of good things happening today, but we're going to jump in my coaching time machine and go go back to time they weren't. When are we going sure. back to? Sure. Uh, you know, I went through school. I went to grad school, did an MBA back uh, in 94, 93, 94, and uh, back in India, actually. And at this time, uh, MBA wasn't what it is today or uh, what it's come to be today. Uh, so not a lot of people knew about it. And the few that did it ended up uh, taking a cushy job with an MNC. You know, I decided that there was more to it. And, uh, you know, I kind of stumbled across uh, a company that came to India uh, dealing in direct marketing, which was very new for me. And this was the time when India was opening mm. its doors to foreign companies coming in. And this was a Canadian company that dealt with uh, consumer durables, you know, stuff like uh, books, uh, kitchenware, toys, gifts, that kind of stuff. And then they had this very cool two-minute pitch that they taught you. And then this concept of law of averages that if you go and meet 300 people a day, you're bound to get about uh, 30 yeses. And uh, that's what they taught you. And, uh, you know, I I took some training with them and then... Um, one thing led to another, and I started doing that, and I ended up doing that for about a year and a half, uh, which was very different from what all my other, uh, um, you know, colleagues were doing. You know, who, who were finding the next corporate job that they could, and I believe that really helped me. That stood me in good stead. It was very hard training, going door to door, lugging a bag, uh, eight hours a day, or sometimes more. Um, mm. It was uh, very hard training. Um, you know, a lot of people would tell you you don't need an MBA to do that. But uh, to date, I believe that was the foundation of whatever else I've done in my life. And it's held me in good stead. And, and so how, how is, so just set the scene then. So you've you've done the MBA, puts you at sort of very sort of most employable people out there. All of your right. classmates are going on to work for sort of multinational corporations or sort of blue chip companies. And you've made this choice to go and work for yourself effectively. I mean, it's an overseas company, That's but it's right. kind of performance only. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I remember my very first day in training, like uh, there was an American guy who actually trained me and uh, I just followed him. I just watched what he did throughout the day. And we, I think we ended up selling like 12 uh, pieces of, we were selling books that time. So 12 pieces. And then we came back and the next day I was on my own. And I think mm -hmm. about two hours in the day, you know, I had some very rude uh, kind of interactions where people, you know, just slammed doors on my faces. And um, I just said, hey, this is not for me. And I came back. I remember that. Uh, and he sat me down, gave me a bottle of water and he said, hey, it's your choice. You got to make a choice here. If you decide to keep being hard on these negatives and then letting them not affect you, then you will continue to do well otherwise your history and then that kind of struck a chord with me like you know I, maybe I'm giving up too easily and then I just followed what he said that day I went back and I worked the entire day I ended up uh, selling a couple of pieces not 30 uh, but then it it kind of gave me that stickiness to keep going to keep doing it again and again and so how did it, how did it feel when you were uh, you you, just, you were sit, you were sitting back in his office 
you've made this choice, right? Which was 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 painful, sort of financially and socially. I I imagine at the time, and like I I'm done. Like two hours right. in, I'm, like, I'm I'm done. What 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 was going through your head? Uh, I think you know I was very young at the time, and then. Um, um, obviously, from an experience standpoint, uh, there was, uh, you know, didn't have a lot of people shouting in my face, right? So I'm here uh, mm-hmm. knocking doors and some people are, uh, you know, respectfully saying no. Some people not so respectfully and some people just slam the door on your face and some people scream at you. That's that's what you face in sales uh, all day long, depending on what the other person's going through. And uh, if you carry... Uh, you know, everybody has a self-concept image of themselves and there's a prob- probability of a certain amount of ego mixed in. And, you know, if you tell mm-hmm. yourself, hey, you know, I'm the smart kid uh, with an MBA and then this, this somebody just, you know, shut the door on my face, then you're bound to feel the way I felt. And, you know, um, and mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what happened, you know, and ha- having never faced it and then having faced rude rejection one after the other, um, while I was just still struggling to get my pitch right, um, was mm. very overwhelming. And I, you know, I told myself, "Do I really need to do this? I can go and get that cushy job out there." And then I came back. But mm. I think that pep talk that my coach gave me and sat me down—the matter-of-fact kind of a t- talk and not uh, trying to uh, comfort me and that kind of stuff. That was an uh, an awakening too, you know. My expectation was my coach was going to be on my side and tell me, uh, you know, uh, kind of side with me, kind of uh, comfort me and all, which he did. You know, he basically gave me a bottle of water and he put matter of fact straight to my face, which kind of, you know, kind of it felt like uh, a wake-up call where he's telling you, are you going to give up so easily? You haven't even tried it out. But I think it's kind of amazing that, in many ways, you, you you came into this first day with with a clear idea of what you wanted to achieve from it. You had you brought you brought into it sort of a life of success up to that point. Like you said, right. sort of doing an MBA, top of your class, choice of roles, and actually you came to like sort of to a degree lack of family support around this choice, lack of social support around this choice. Absolutely. And, every, and plenty of plenty of really great other opportunities on the table. Like it would be so easy to go, okay, well, I can go and work for anybody. It's, it's kind of amazing that you managed in the space of that conversation to break through all that conditioning and go, no, I am, I am going to stay on this path. Absolutely. So like you said, right, the, um, you're right. There were social norms and, you know, a lot of my uh, classmates and friends kind of looked at me with horror saying, why would you lug a bag and go door to door? You know, uh, why did you come and do an MBA if that's what you wanted to do? But there was more to it than that. Right. And then the appeal of kind of being able to run your own business, um, to, to be able to learn how to build a team, you know, through the company that I was working with and then have the opportunity to run your own business the way you see it uh, fit. You know, those were all factors that kind of uh, 
helped make that right decision you know and obviously my parents didn't uh, think very highly of my choice um, of of an occupation at that point in time um you know if i kind of crossed paths with a friend or a relative out there while on the field uh i have had people walking away uh, kind of playing ignor- ignorant mm-hmm. you know uh, so you had you have all of that and i think all of that kind of helps you just build a more resilient you would you say that resilience is now your superpower I would say so absolutely you know I think I've been a pretty resilient guy throughout my career I've had my shares of ups and downs but uh, you know I don't let anything affect me that much I take it in stride based on the moment and then try to be rational about the decision to take and move on uh, I don't let things affect me personally uh, as far as possible um, and I think all of these are learned skills and i attribute it to back to that year and a half out on the field you know i've had days when i've gone hungry um and i've had days uh, when i've done really well um and a lot of those stories keep coming back to me uh no matter where i am in my career like you know let's say right now like inceptio is is the company inceptio ventures is the company uh that we have founded mm-hmm. and we are running and we are in the process of uh, raising funds for one of the ventures under it um and i go through the same thing i go through sending my pitch deck out i go through talking to people i i go through but not every pitch that we do not every uh investor that we talk to is going to say yes and uh, just prepares me that much more you know i just go through the pitches uh, take my learnings from it and then try to improve the next one that i do <clears throat> and ho- hopefully fewer people slamming the door in your face with rude words Oh yeah, yeah. Obviously, you get good at it, right? You, you, you're in control. You know, like when you do the enough of this, then you know how to control and how to make sure that the doors don't get slammed in your face. Yeah. But is it, it sounds it sounds very comparable in terms of sort of. Do you think you can break it down to like, as your mentor at times said, do three hundred pitches to get thirty? Do you think it's even similar when it comes to getting investment? I believe so there are a couple of things right so one is obviously you kind kind of uh, the company or the product that you're out to launch you know you do a lot of work on understanding why you believe it will be successful um then you also play the devil's advocate in trying to say that what are the reservations that I could come across and you got to be very pragmatic about it and i think i learn a lot more from the questions that investors have uh, from the reasons that they look to find in order to say no because that kind of helps me uh you know get better and better at uh, the the solution that i put forward and the reasons i give them as to why they should invest uh, i it just it just makes it that much more same thing like the two the two minute pitch that i told you out there right you get so good at it after a while that uh you know you just get it done in 2 minutes and you take a yes or a no and then you move on you don't worry about whether it's a yes or a no if it's a yes great you made a sale if it's a no thank you very much and then you move on because that something comes up with with founders time and time again which is just that you are constantly punched in the face by events happening to you and sometimes that and sometimes it actually like over success can also kind of throw you as well what you seem to be saying just is this kind of take the yes or the no and move on constantly no matter it'll treat them both the same absolutely and then to your point you know founders face it all day and i think founders actually 
have to be much more better prepared than than they generally are right think about it uh you don't know how long your runway is going to last you don't know where that next round of funding is going to come from so you got to be as prepared as possible in order to make sure that you have the longest runway possible as you look to grow on the one side uh keep your business stable or balance your business and then bring in the investments on the other side uh goes back to the same thing on the days on the field you know there were some days that, that I did phenomenally well uh and those are the days where you put a little bit of money away for a rainy day but at the same time there were some days where I didn't do well at all there were days when you know I had to look under my mattress to find a couple of coins so I could go out and grab something for dinner so same thing same thing with mm. the founder we just had blog stuff started probably about a year ago now it's actually we're talking about dealing with uncertainty I think this is a message that comes up time and time again which is Absolutely. It's not what you do in the moment, it's what you've done to prepare for that moment. Absolutely. And then it, you know like I say that uh, you know I always like to say that one thing's for certain and that uncertainty that's going to come. So you know no no for a fact that it's there and prepare prepare your best and uh, that's the best you can do. And then everything flows with uh, time, right? So you you never know you might be out there pitching your uh company out to several investors and before you know uh, you know there i've had instances where you know support comes from uh, totally unwarranted areas you you would have th- thought that somebody just uh, brushed you away and walked away and then 6 months later or a year later they come looking for you um so that that does tend to happen so never burn your bridges uh make sure that uh, you're doing the most uh, sincere effort that you can put forth and then keep going so that's really follow this this journey of of resilience through your career because it, it feels like you've done some really cool stuff so step 1 building this 300 person business in a year and a half straight out of grad school it's pretty cool and then you decided to to go to the US what what happened then i got married <laughs> so so what happened was i was running my business it was running very successfully then i got married and my hours were crazy uh, during the time that i ran and grew this business so i would be uh, you know out there till about 12 1ish at night and then 6:00 in the morning i would be back you know running the business and obviously my wife didn't like it so i decided i would make her a part of it uh, which i which we did and then uh, for almost about a year or so uh, you know we worked on it together but like i said this was a time was where technology was taking off in india and it was very evident to me that the next uh, uh, you know the next big thing out there is has to be related to technology so having gone to school having graduated before technology hit the schools in india i started going out for some private classes took my classes in uh, uh, learning c c++ at the point in time html these kinds of things very very basic things at that point in time and very quickly figured out that uh, my interest was not in programming i was not made out to be a programmer uh but then the other aspects of uh, technology such as business analysis project management these things started uh, attracting my attention then i was definitely attracted towards the business development aspect of it i ended up uh, working with a company just to gain gain exposure and opening up their exports division for pan pan asia middle east and then it became evident to me that uh, i really needed to get some grounded education in the tech space um and which meant going back to school uh 
Um, and then I asked myself, what better uh, way to do it than, you know, go to grad school all over again uh, in the U.S.? I'm curious. So after that sort of MBA one, you decided to go very left field and go door to door at the time. I'm guess I'm guessing you might have gone left field again after MBA two. Is that is that fair? Yeah. So you know, I sold the company. By the way, um, uh, the one that I was uh, running there for direct marketing. Once I made the decision to come to the U.S., and then I had to go through my exams, like I said, and then very, uh, you know, obviously, you know, even my one of my interview questions was, "Hey, you already have an MBA. Why do you want to go back and get an MBA?" That was a visa question that I was asked, and I told them, "Hey." The MBA that I have back in India is in marketing and finance, and this is a totally different specialization, and that's why I'm going there to get it. And and so, what did you post MBA? What was what was your next move? Well, post MBA, you know, I uh, really didn't know where to start, but I, I knew I had to start start with a job in the U.S. And this time, this is the time that nine eleven happened. Um, you know, it was very clear. I, you know, I kind of felt okay. This is it. You know, nobody's going to start uh, give jobs anymore. My experience from India, all the stuff that I did on the entrepreneurial side, didn't matter. And uh, any didn't have didn't hold any water at all in the US but and I'm talking back in 2000 2001 that kind of a time frame nobody cared about what you did outside of the US shores so uh, it became very evident to me that I had to take a, a pretty much uh, you know get uh, the lowest job that I can find and I started as a business analyst and then I, I kind of uh, over the years have built a career in that space mm. and where where do you think this resilience has paid the biggest dividend along that journey. If Absolutely, you could point I, I one... think. Yeah, so I think throughout the journey, right? Like when I came to the US, for instance, I came with a hundred dollar bill. That's what I had in my hand, and I had a check for my first semester fees. That's all I came with, and two bags. I had no idea where I was going to live. I had no idea how I would pay for housing. Um, I had no idea where my next semester fees was going to come from. Nothing. I just came. And that was, I think, I think generally I have a pretty positive bent of mind. And I know that if things do go negative, then I'll I'll work them through. That's the resilience piece. That's how I came. You know, the first thing that I did is I got into the university. I found a friend and then through him access to a printer, printed about 50 different, uh, 50 uh, copies of my resume and then went door to door in the university, department to department, dropping my resume, saying, hey, if you've got a job, I'm the guy. You know, any kind of uh, <laughs> internships, research or teaching internships, uh, I'm happy to do that. And then, you know, there were other guys, right? I was doing an MBA. There were computer science guys and all uh, mechanical engineering guys, civil engineering guys. And uh, I, for about a month, um, really nothing much happened. Yeah, I was still trying to contact professors and all that. And I had uh, housing uh, with uh, another guy who actually had a bed empty because the guy who occupied that bed had gone to India. He said, hey, he's coming back in 15 days. You got to make arrangements for yourself in 15 days. So I had 15 days. (laughs) And uh, so, you know, all I would do is go to the university and try to meet professors or departments and try to find something. And I was the last guy to get a scholarship, by the way, because everybody else got it before me. And what happened was uh, the Department of uh, Human Resources, I think, they invited me over and they said, hey, can you uh, tutor people, 
And I said, yeah, I can. Uh, you know, I have an MBA. What kind of tutoring do you need? They asked, what subjects can you tutor? I said, what kind of subjects do they need tutored in? And then they would talk about math, physics, chemistry, orga- you know, organizational behavior, economics, all of these things. And I said, anything. <laughs> then they said, can you teach anything? I said, absolutely. So that's where I started. I started with a tutoring uh, scholarship they gave me, which meant that uh, part of my fees was paid. And then I was making enough to pay the next semester fees. And then I just barely had enough to survive. And then the next thing, like you said, was, okay, now I had my wife back in India. And then the next important thing for me was to get her over here. So once I found a job, uh, they, I then needed to do my H1. And then, you know, I went to, I went with a startup uh, out in New Jersey, some guy who was basically doing body shopping, worked with him for three months, very quickly realized I'm not going to go anywhere there. He didn't pay me for those three months. And then uh, I started applying for jobs. And then, uh, you know, then I had another opportunity where they interviewed me, which was this BPO company. And they said, hey, we'll give you a business analyst job, starting level. And I'm like, okay, great, I'll take it. Will you sponsor my visa? They said, yeah, we'll do that. And then that was it. That that was more important for me. So that's how I, you know, something's going to happen. You know, you're going to make it happen. You believe in yourself. And then you have this positive uh, notion about yourself that no matter how hard it gets, you will crack it through. And that's all, that's resilience. And that's, that's a conviction in yourself. And that's all you need in order to continue down the journey that you take. Conviction was the word actually, just as you just said, it was just coming to mind because it sounds like it's not just resilience because resilience is kind of being ready for stuff to go wrong and for dealing with it does. Right. But there's a really strong sense of conviction that's come out here in terms of taking the road less traveled and really backing yourself. So going door to door against a social pressure, going to the US with basically one semester's fees. And not knowing where you're going to live is quite a high, high vulnerability situation and leaving your wife behind. It seems to be the marriage of conviction and resilience that seems to Absolutely. be the superpower. Absolutely. Where, where do you think the, this, this, this really strong conviction came from? Knowing that if things go wrong, you still have yourself to believe in. I think that that's, that's very, very, very important. I believe, I, I believe that's, that's a crucial skill that anybody needs to develop because at the end of the day you have just you yourself and every door every door that you open is because of you so and that's where conviction that's what is i believe is conviction and having a high sense of that will see you through the most troubling of times and if if, if we highlight this 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 day one of door to door is the moment of just where your resilience journey really kicked in where would you identify day one of your conviction journey kicking in? Do, do, do you remember a shift or do you think something's always been there with you? I think it's always been there. So for, for instance, let's take a look at uh, you know, the, the, the journey that I took uh, during my MBA, right? You know, I've kind of been a guy who didn't want to take money from my parents for my education, right? The same thing happened there. So, you know, my MBA back in India, the first semester fee is what my parents sent me with. And by semester two, I didn't want to take their money. You know, I 
had to find something to do myself and then while studying and I was doing an MBA in the mornings, I was doing another master's degree in the evenings and then between those times I really wanted to find something where I could make money and that's how my and then when I heard about this company coming and doing that, I was pretty curious because you know that was never heard of in India but uh, to be self-dependent was something that that was always there within me. And uh, I think that that's where the beginning of that uh, that uh, conviction came from. Well, thank you so much for for sharing, and congrats on the journey. It's been thank awesome. You. Absolutely, you know, one thing that uh, one other thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, I've heard this a lot about myself, where a lot of people think I'm a, I'm a very calm, tranquil guy, but with a strong presence. And I heard it yesterday too, and I was thinking about it, you know. What do they mean by that? Now it kind of, you know, when we talk about conviction and, uh, you know, resilience and kind of being positive, you know, now it makes sense that, you know, when you know that uh, when odds are against you and you're ready to fight through the odds and you know that on the other side of the odds is what you want, then why worry or why get anxious than focus your energies on fighting the fight and getting there? I think that's what the calmness is about. Your story really resonates with with what I believe in too. As you heard today, coaching opens up a whole range of insights and areas to explore. If you have a potential moment to revisit on the podcast or just want to learn more about coaching, book in for a 30-minute chat with me at peer-effect.com.